What do you mean? Oh, you know what I mean. Come on. <laughs> you know exactly what I mean. You were in the lair for I don't know how long, but um, I can't blame you. I was down there, too. You say it like I've left. I'm still here, baby. It's March. It's March. <laughs> Get hype. <laughs> uh, welcome to the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. And I've got to start with this following disclaimer. This is the annual presentation of the ACC Basketball Degens Pod. And it's a detailed look at the field of 68 for the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Not all wagering advice on this podcast should be heeded. Disclaimer, in all selections made by Vegas Mike, he will proceed to turn around three days later and take the opposite side. With that said, let's have a day. Let's take down the house, working hard for the people in our families. Those are the mottos. I'm your host, Luke Neer. Taylor Pilkington's with us. So is Mike Jaffe. Both on hand for the Madness Preview Pod. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello, man. Welcome, welcome. We've got our brackets. You know, I like to imagine they hand them out like they're like your uh, dinner dinner napkins, you know, like a TGI Fridays. You know, get your crayons out, boys. Uh, let's let's get nasty. I'm, I'm excited, man. It feels good to be back. Does Taylor get crowns or does he get uh, chalk? <laughs> he's a, you know what he he gets markers that's how much we trust I was gonna say, he's got ins- he's got insightful takes i never i never advise i only go one time one take taylor that's what we call me just <laughs> no no second chances i like that <laughs> what are you gonna do without nc state even on the bubble this year they weren't even on the bubble not in the conversation nowhere to be seen nowhere to be heard from nowhere to be found after that disappointing uh, showing against syracuse which we all predicted by the way i mean who could have i mean it was easy to see that one coming if we're looking at the acc tournament how are you dealing with that internally and externally uh i mean i've been grieving but i was exp- i was preparing myself for this all year i wasn't expecting them to make the tournament I think I even said last time I'm going to pick them, expecting them to lose. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to have a great time uh, supporting them in the NIT. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. The number seven seed. <laughs> Our a separate sleeper, podcast. A sleeper on, uh, spot. All I can say is goodness gracious. Um, let's start breaking down this field of 68. And uh, did- we can sprinkle in thoughts concerning the conference tournament title games, the conference championships in general, while we're taking a look at these seeds. Everybody wants to start in, in the West. I don't want to start in the West. I want to start somewhere else. I want to be different. I want to be unique. So where should we go? I'll let Taylor decide which quad we start in. You know what? Let's start in the East with everybody's you know hot team of two weeks ago. Michigan is the one seed. Uh, which I am happy to hear that William Hill, our boys over there, are over leveraged on, and uh, they've released they they're going to be screwed if Michigan wins the title. They're not going to be screwed, so don't worry about it. Just don't lose. Okay, sleep. yeah, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they'll make a lot of money either way. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's run it down. Uh, the East Region. We do have Michigan as the one seed. We have Alabama as the two seed. You're um, they, you know, they did a double. Which uh, Huckleberry Hound says is one of the most uh, difficult things to do, do a double, which is when the SEC regular season and the uh, SEC tournament. Um, also, we have Connecticut, Maryland. Maryland, the team with multiple personalities who I have grown to despise being on them or shorting them all year long. Uh, it's just a frustrating team, and they're going up against uh, everybody's darling, UConn. Mike, do you feel as if um, you need to get off UConn? Because I know you're a little bit of a basketball hipster, and they're becoming too current. So what are your thoughts there? Let's just start at the bottom and head to the top of the East. Wow. Look at you. You not only you not only don't want to start in the West, you want to start at the bottom of the East. <laughs> well, first of all, the uh, the 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 east is is the group of death okay i mean you have like six or seven teams in this bracket that at one point in the season as someone tweeted that is gonna you know they're my they're my dark horse to make the final four you know so i mean this group is impossible you know i i don't know um who's gonna come out of it but it's not gonna be yukon i actually think maryland has an excellent matchup against yukon you maryland in particular is built on 
on the the strength of their defensive guards. Um, you know, I think that even uh, if you notice, uh, what was it, Hunter for uh, for Michigan actually tweeted at Morcel um, for uh, for Maryland, calling him quote unquote the defensive player of the year to start a little. Uh, start a little Twitter beef with him. Um, but I actually like, uh, I like Maryland to lock down RJ Cole and book Knight and everyone else. I, I don't like UConn even getting out of the first round. Give me Maryland here, man. Uh, so yeah, I would say my UConn, uh, hipster vibes are dead. See, I just don't know how Maryland is going to score. Oh, if you stop Ayala, I think that's the key to stopping Maryland. When he's not playing well, they are, have not succeeded this year. And UConn's got a great defense. I mean, they've been able to put the clamps down on people recently. I know that Creighton got a little hot. They started cooking in that game, and they were just just um, shy of getting over the hump. But I'm going to go the other way, Mike. I'm going to track back to you know your lifeblood of the season, which is, hey, guys, UConn's playing so-and-so every single Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> here's the line. That's where I stand, Taylor. <laughs> this is a two-point spread, two-and-a-half-point spread. Yeah, I will I- lay the points, and Tay-Tay gets his, uh, his shot now. Yeah, I was waiting to say the, the spread. What two and a half points? Uh, I this game has me lost. I would. I'm just gonna wait for a live line and take any team that gets more points. But forced to pick, I've never really been as excited about UConn as Mike has. Uh, makes hard to be hard to muster that level of excitement. But uh, um, so I'm gonna take Maryland only because I just think UConn has. I'm just not buying the hype. And they were a little disappointing in the Big East tourney in that final game. So I will, I'll take Maryland. And uh, you will get two and a half points as of now, unless that changes. Okay. Uh, I don't know how we missed Ranger Rick going up against my favorite head coach in college basketball, Nate Oates, the only man who's dressing with class whatsoever. And uh, telling one of the villains of college basketball, whose name is Will Wade, Guthrie would um, be on my side on this one. He'd have my back. He'd be ready uh, to talk about Will Wade and trash him. To just get off the floor, for lack of a better word, for you children out there. I don't want to really um, scar your ears. Mike will do that momentarily, but I love the performance from Coach Oates. It's hard for me to go against him, but he's also playing somebody who has a soft spot of my heart, and that would be Rick Pitino, who has Iona in the NCAA tournament, and they are ready to be live. Do we believe in a, in a cover right here? Do we believe Pitino can do his magic and his voodoo and whatever type of pressure matchup zone-ness he's going to throw at Alabama. And, I mean, Alabama can come out and just look like absolute trash for the first five to ten minutes of a basketball game. And I don't think we should just throw that aside. I mean, it happened against Tennessee. It happened against Arkansas. They can generally dig out of these holes, but they do find themselves in a lot of holes. Taylor. And we we should say the line – the line is 17 and a half points right now looking at it, or at least that's what I have 17 and a half points for uh, Alabama giving them. I'm just gonna, I think, I mean, obviously Alabama's better. I'm just going to like go nostalgia and hope that Rick Pitino shows up in a white suit. That's what I always talk about <laughs> on this podcast with him. That's the only thing I imagine in. Uh, I mean, didn't he already give some interview where he was like, I'm going back to Greece if we lose or something. I just like to imagine, I don't know. He's, he's going to show up. In a white suit with a, a styrofoam box of white wine and mussels on the sideline, and they're going to cover <laughs> the spread against Alabama is what I want to happen. So I'm going to take Iona here. Give it to me. And th- that's a very well-reasoned argument that has absolutely no facts or anything to back it up other than my desire to see Rick Pitino cover the spread. So, yeah. I would also say in a matchup of soft spots and holes, as Luke mentioned earlier, you got to take Patino in the points, man. That, as he, as you would say, he likes to come from behind. So uh, there you go. There's my, there's my Iona take. Put it in the bank. Uh, oh Nin- man, plus, give me plus nineteen. <laughs> They're gonna lose by fifty points. They're probably They're gonna are. lose by hundred. Something like that. <laughs> but uh, I stand by it. And what do we uh, have? A consensus. So that means it's absolutely doomed. Congratulations, Alabama, on a win and a cover in round number one. Because all three DJs are on Iona. Next game of note, um, let's go to Abilene Christian and Texas. Do we really have to talk about this? I mean, do we really have to, Mike? Go no. Ahead. I don't want to talk about this game. No, no, no. No, we don't. Texas is better. Chalky, chalky. Put them through. 
What are you talking that's about? It. What are you talking about? Burn. That's, that's what do you put him through. That's the tweet. <laughs> Don't you know this is put an ATS through. podcast? <laughs> what do I tell you? Life is ATS. Well, what's the spread right now? Taylor, give us a spread. Nine points. What's the spread? 14? Nine, Nine points. That's Ooh. not enough. I'm looking at the opening line. Ooh. So we by the time people are listening to these to this podcast, I'm sure that the lines that we are quoting will be wrong by a couple points. Mm. But nine points. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, give me Texas. I, I don't want to talk about this game. I really don't have any insights. I have nothing to say. But they're uh, riding some good basketball. They're going to get on the offensive glass. Blah, 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 blah. I have not watched one Abilene Christian game all year. All year. Not one. Sorry. Come, come and get me. Come sue me. What about you guys? Give me Texas. Uh, give me Abilene Christian. Nine points. I mean, statistically, they're a fun team to watch. They can shoot the three. Maybe they get back into it. Yeah. I don't know. Give me Abilene Christian. But Texas definitely moving forward. Mm, I agree. Okay, let's get on to uh, BYU, who is Taylor's new adopted team ever since the NC State Wolfpack had their bubble popped and weren't even on the bubble this year and uh, are now the seventh seed in the NIT. So he has uh, transferred all his allegiances and his power and uh, his might into uh, the BYU Cougars. He's uh, just filled them a little bit like, uh, I don't know, Sauron in the ring. So let's just uh, go off that um, analogy for a little bit. Taylor is um, the Dark Lord, and we're going to call BYU the ring. So um, they're going to be playing either Michigan State, who I uh, still think is trash, and I'll say that publicly. Uh, Izzo lovers, come at me. Feel free to tweet at the podcast, tweet at me, do whatever you like. I don't like this Michigan State team. I know that Mike's going to talk um, about how they're going to make a run all the way to the Final Four, just like when you guys were waxing poetic when they were number three in the country, and I, I was like, you guys are out of your minds. And uh, they're playing UCLA in the playing game. Cases for the winner of the play-in. Let's start with Mike. Uh, uh, first of all, you know, Mick Cronin and, and those guys at UCLA, man, they should feel very lucky to be in the tournament. Michigan State, you know, has really quality wins, obviously, this year. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, credit that late season run, obviously, with getting them into the tournament. And I guess I like them against UCLA. I just don't think UCLA has enough to be able to compete with Michigan State offensively. Um, but against BYU, they're going to run into a team. They're going to like, you know, the, that meme of the two Spider-Man staring at each other and pointing? It's what That's what the BYU-Michigan State game is. But BYU is just a lot better than they are. Um, you know, I, I they played Gonzaga tight. I thought they were a Final Four team last year. BYU is a sneaky team in this little, uh, you know, group of deaths. So I, I'll, I'll pencil BYU through in, in a chalky start to our breakdown. I will say, okay, for as far as the UCLA Michigan State game is, mm-hmm. the line right now is two and a half. Michigan State is a two and a half point favorite. I'm gonna take uh, UCLA here. I just think. UCLA doesn't have a great defense, but I think they can limit the offensive rebounds of Michigan State a little bit and make them work and do enough that they're and they're going to score. I think they're going to be able to score against that Michigan State defense. So I'll take two and a half points with UCLA, and I'll, I'll pick them to go through. But then I'm definitely picking BYU. Of course, I love them. I've seen them. I think they've like improved over the course of this whole year. Um, and just look like really strong, always like really steady, really in control. Um, and I, I, I like their chances to make a, a little run here in the tournament. So I, whatever the line is, probably I'll still take them also against the against the spread and pick them to advance. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. There's a dirt little secret out there that Michigan State does nothing good on the basketball floor. They, they don't have any real strengths. They just have to make a game so ugly that the other team just wants to leave. And that's what happened to Michigan in the finale, and that's also what happened to – who else did they get? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to recall who they Illinois. got. Illinois. Yeah, Illinois. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Illinois is just like – this is too – I was like I'm not gliding around the court because – these clowns are just in my way, like like a Mario video game, the, the little turrets who pop up. That's Michigan State for me. They do nothing well, and their effective is atrocious. They can't shoot the three ball. They um, they can't turn anybody over, which is really interesting this year. And um, I'm going to go with UCLA, just out of, out of that notion and that train of thought, getting the two points, why not? And then I'll take BYU either, over either team, and I will lay the points with BYU because I do think – 
they're the real deal. I, I like their shooting, and I think they're going to collect themselves after that uh, Gonzaga game. And I think, if anything, they'll come away with some confidence. So on to the next game, uh, Florida State and UNCG. I have a lot to say about Florida State, but I'm going to have to save those thoughts. We'll begin with Mike, and what do you see in this matchup? Ugh. I mean, Florida State was nothing but a disappointment in the ACC tournament to me. Preach I mean, that, I, yeah. You know, I know that they they reached the they reached the final. I mean, they they played a tough game against Georgia Tech, but you know, it's been a, it's been many months since Florida State lived up to its potential when it was being called a Final Four team earlier in the year. Um, so on the other side of that, though, you have UNC Greensboro, who's kind of surging right now. You know, I mean, I think that they are winners of ten of their last 11 maybe something like that maybe maybe not quite that many maybe eight of their last 10 but um you know i they play the southern conference the soco you know was a two-bid league Mm. a few years ago man and you know one thing that uncg does really well is that it's a really physical team and it's a really great rebounding team so you know I think their physicality, you know, Florida State is not going to overwhelm UNCG like they're able to with so many other with so many other teams. Um, so I actually like UNCG getting points here. Um, they, they're what's, getting what's 11. the projected line? Probably around 10. It's 11. Oh, 11? Oh, it, it's not going to be that kind it, of party for Florida State, man. The line opened at 11. Yeah, and go and ahead, Taylor. Go ahead. Sorry. The line opened at 11 and a half, and it has moved as we record is now 10 and a half. I can't trust a team who has 24 turnovers okay. in a title yeah, I mean, game. I, I just can't trust them. I am all Florida State. <laughs> I've sold all the stock. Um, they can go take a hike as far as I'm concerned. And that championship game against Georgia Tech, how disinterested did they look in that game? That's not a good sign for me. If you're disinterested yeah. in an ACC championship game, it's they not- looked like they were just going to walk on the floor like they did in 2020 and claim the trophy. I mean, I know they developed that lead in the second half, but once that was gone, no fight whatsoever, lazy turnovers, nobody knows who the guy is. MJ Walker sort of thinks he's the guy. Scotty Barnes was the garbage time king, if we watched the final um, two minutes of that game, which took off, I don't know, 25 minutes of my life, and everybody else who watches ACC basketball. <laughs> Florida State also um, absolutely upended a great ACC tournament run for myself against the spread. I was trying to go, let's see, eight and one, and they just they destroyed it. So goodbye, Florida State. UNCG is my pick. Lay the points. Wow, wow. Yeah, I'll be I the agree. guy. I'll be the guy who takes Florida State. I mean, I don't. I, I probably, in reality, won't. <laughs> I probably, on the, in reality, will not bet on this game. Is what I'm saying. But just it, it is mystifying that like that defense that at times for like five minute stretches of the game, you can watch Florida State's man to man defense and think like, oh, man, nobody will ever score on them ever yeah. again, you know, and then you can watch them for the next five minutes and you'd be like, what is going on? What are they what, exactly. what is happening here? Like it's like Keystone Cops. But and then it, it, I, it's, you know, it's weird to me also that like they have two guys who shoot like. 45% from three-point range in uh, what MJ Walker and Anthony Polite, and neither of them really – they don't really actually take that many threes. Maybe that's key to the success, but like uh, – but they're great efficiency numbers, but just not high-volume numbers. Um, but when they get on a tear, they can score forever. And, yeah, I, I don't know how to – what, Luke, you were saying about like sometimes they look just disinterested. I don't have the answer for that, um, but I'll just – I would, for the sake of this podcast, I'll pick them here to cover against UNCG. There is one little bit of a wild card in this game, and it's a two-word phrase, and that word, that phrase is Leonard Hamilton. I don't know if he's going to not mm. foul down four with what um, seven seconds remaining, or I don't know if he's going to press walk-ons like he did to John Paul Jones Arena that year. <laughs> I mean, he's a complete wild card. Mm. Who knows where he's going to go in either direction? So that means it's a little bit interesting when it comes to the spread, but I'll just still take UNCG, and I think they lose by about eight. All right, Mm. case closed. Yeah, Leonard always knows the spread. (laughs) I did it against those walk-ons, I'll tell you that much, when they got down by like 28 to Jerome and Guy. One of my favorite little like subplots, maybe only a subplot for me that I enjoy watching is now like it used to be kind of like a coded thing. Like you would watch Brent Musburger say like, 
oh, well, now they're ahead by four. So you know what that means, folks. Like very coded in terms of like- uh, Yeah, Al Michaels still. Covering the spread. And now that it's like becoming more accepted and legal in more states, everybody's just like very openly, you know, I heard it, I was watching a game and I think Jay Bill has said at the end of the game, like, oh yeah, well the spread was six. So that was a big deal that they just like made that free throw or something to win by seven. So I enjoy seeing how uh, commentators handle that at the end of games. Yeah, we're all coming out of the closet. We're all coming out of hiding and uh, we're in the real world now. It's just a beautiful year and it's March. So lovely. <laughs> <laughs> our kind is now accepted all over the place what you're saying is don't ask don't tell is over it, it, pretty much but it's yeah. also atrocious trying to explain this entire thing to people who are not in the community if you know what I mean I, I'm sure you two have stories as well I have countless stories trying to explain what minus 250 means what plus 120 means all that it's, it's just very tedious and difficult don't you agree? Oh man, well, good for you for good for you for having friends to hang out with. Because you know, I mean, you're you're saying that, and I'm thinking like, I don't know, man. My daughter doesn't really care about the spread. You know, I'll, I'll honestly be watching a basketball game with my son, and he'll be like, you know, which team are we cheering for? And you know, he always just wants to cheer for the blue team. I'm like, no, no, daddy's got to cheer for the white team. And then he'll start cheering for the blue team. And I'm like, look, you got you got to go to another room, or daddy's gonna have to just you know refresh the box score without you. You know, so like, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm glad that you have people to talk to about this, though. You know, my children fail to realize how important this is. <laughs> it's critical, and trying to try to explain these promos. On all the different platforms, that's also something that um, it's very tedious. Let's just say that. Taylor. I mean, Luke, <laughs> you are more generous in spirit than I would ever be. Why are you explaining these things to people? I guess the only people I talk to are the people, are Guthrie and the two of you. People love so asking. Have... <laughs> Everyone's so curious. Why do they care so much about what I'm doing? P- people who just care. They, they walk in. They... Anyway, okay, let's get back to the uh, board. It is it is it is funny that one of my best memories watching college basketball is like standing in a sports book with Mike, uh, watching Oklahoma State, whatever, like make a garbage time like floater yeah. to cover like a yeah. four point spread and just going absolutely nuts like a couple of years it's ago, a great like wild feeling. and. And nobody would ever know what the hell you were talking about. Like, they lost by four. They lost by three. And nobody would ever know what the hell you were doing. And I, it was like the best moment of my life, you would think, if you looked at me in that moment. That's why you had to I think I was, Taylor, be with like-minded Taylor, people. Taylor, your memory is absolutely terrible, <laughs> first of all. You know, that was, it, was, it, was not, it was not some garbage time, you know, cover at the last second, okay? That was the NCAA tournament, and they were playing Michigan at the time. Okay, that that three, it wasn't some layup, all right. It was a three from like half court. And they were down four, and it was the great and highly missed Joan Evans who hit that three. Oh. Um, you know, to bring bring the game within one. And I, I remember it because we were standing, everybody in the sports book was on Michigan that year, and it was only you and I on Oklahoma State, and we went totally nuts. And like <laughs> the guy in front of us who thought who thought we were with him the whole time looked at us and i've never seen anybody look at me like that in my whole life he looked at me like you traitor i can't believe you're on the other side the whole time <laughs> this is why i don't remember it you know i i was i was you know insensate for the entire time i think mike and i put our hands on each other's shoulders and jumped up and down like schoolgirls with like our legs going back up in the air you know that was like the thing i think i was weeping i was tears streaming down my face yeah yeah you know the sports it's just 100% 99.9% male lots of backward caps a lot of sweatshirts <laughs> just as mike said you know not a lot of bathing has been going on. It's disgusting yet beautiful. And I also enjoy the the little factions, you know, the little tables that break up. We had our faction. It's like the Sharks and the Jets. And you got another faction over there who's on the other side. It's just a magical scene. Um. So, anyway, uh, sports books, et cetera. Let's get back to the board. <laughs> sports books. Um, uh, you're not so going to believe this, guys. You left it at Georgetown? Yeah, you're not going to believe this, but the Georgetown Hoyas are in the NCAA tournament. 
I'm saying this after leading Operation George, FA Georgetown for a good portion of the year, and I, I've had to just defect from that operation, and I don't think anybody's left. And I got off of this, I don't know, maybe about a month ago. I think it was when they just trounced Creighton that I said, maybe this is not a good idea anymore. And I'm riding it. So um, take note, public. They, they're probably going to you know slap me in the face and lay an egg against Colorado, but... The line is five points right now. Uh, you know, obviously Colorado, your favorite, five points. Whew. That seems a little light. Seems a little light. I mean, I know Georgetown has been streaking, but, um, you know, Colorado's a decent team. I mean, do you guys, do you guys like Georgetown in this spot? I do. Well, Mike, it's even gone down to four and a half right now. I just checked. So, yeah. Georgetown found a way to hold Creighton to uh, what, what you... 19 first half points, whatever they had, something absurd. Creighton had 19 points in the first half. I don't know. It was it was ridiculous what they did to Creighton in that game. And also had no problems with Seton Hall. And before that, Villanova, give him the dub. And they beat the brakes off Marquette. And poor Wojo. I can't believe he hasn't gotten the pink slip like uh, a lot of his colleagues Yeah, this team is... uh, Why wouldn't I? It's Patrick Ewing. He's got a chip on his shoulder after, um, I don't know, some usher tracked him down at uh, MSG. Ushers are really... They take their jobs way too seriously. I've had so many usher encounters, I don't want to talk about them. And I feel for Patrick, and that's why I feel like we're linked as brothers in this whole you know, fight against the ushers. So um, give me Georgetown. I'll lay the points. No, I mean, I'll I'll (laughs) take the points. That's a good enough reason for me. (laughs) Luke, he came as a shadow. Um, yeah, I mean, especially on the, uh, everybody's picking up on the fact that, you know, John Thompson was a hall of famer and that he needs to be recognized for being a great coach this year. And the fact Georgetown is back in it too. I mean, it's just a lot of good vibes around Georgetown right now, but, um, you know what, man, Colorado's a, is a, is a team, you know, I think they've been playing together forever. Um, you know, give me McKinley, Wright, Give me Schwartz. Give me, uh, you know, our, 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 our thick Evan Batie, you know, uh, with two C's, man, I, I like Colorado here. Uh, I think the Georgetown story comes to an end. Yeah. I mean, I really want to take Georgetown because of just the story and all this stuff. And, uh, Colorado has mystified me. Like I remember I watched them a little bit earlier this year and they looked really good. And then randomly they'll drop a game to like California who's just, terrible they'll drop a game to washington who's just terrible and like you know these are you know like 10 point losses so and i just don't understand it um but i'm probably still going to be with luke and take georgetown just because of the story but it's it's a bad it's a bad choice but i'm going to do it like you know as a, a constant theme in this podcast me making bad life decisions i don't have the numbers in front of me but georgetown has appreciated significantly in their three point shooting I don't know how many Kempom spots they've climbed, but it feels like they've climbed about 50 or so. I don't have the numbers to back that up. They're 52nd in the country right now. That's pretty good. They shoot the three ball better than you think. The only thing that bites them are turnovers. So if they can protect the ball, that's a huge if. Give me a Javon Blair. Give me the size in the middle with uh, uh, Wahab. And um, Patrick Ewing, the X Factor, next game. So we've got two Georgetowns, and uh, that's plus five, by the way. Mike is going to lay the points on Colorado. The Bonnies and the LSU Tigers, mm, oh. maybe the second best 8-9 matchup. We've got two really good 8-9 matchups, but um, we'll get to the one in the Midwest first. But, uh, guys, what do you think? Oh, I, I, this, is, this is the game. This is the game for me for uh, – for what is it that's the second day right that's saturday so but first of all people need to be aware i feel like the public is not aware that the tournament doesn't start until friday really this year i mean the first four it doesn't really count for me so you know this is this is saturday afternoon games um dude lsu has been on an absolute rager recently you know as you mentioned uh lost to Alabama in the uh, in the SEC championship, you know, dispatched a, 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 a rabid Ole Miss team that needed to win that game in order to get into the NCAA tournament more than likely. Um, I mean, you have one of the – I mean, they, these guys just – they score so well. I mean, Javante Smart is shooting 40-plus percent from three. Um I mean, they just don't do anything wrong, right, Taylor? I mean, you must love LSU, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like they've improved so much from the beginning of the season. When like I, I know they had high expectations at the beginning of the season, but then they went through that stretch where like they lost, you know, maybe four or five games in like January, and I, I don't know, the shine kind of came off them. They looked real bad. They lost to Kentucky by like 12, 12, 13, 14, 15 points, something like that. It just looked not that great. Um, so I like LSU. Their offense has been incredible recently. I still think, leading all this up to, I want to take St. Bonaventure. I like the Bonnies. I, I mean, I think they're going to get a lot of second-chance points. I think they just are always controlling the game so well. They, like, limit people's efficiency on defense and get lots of second-chance points on offense, um, have a lot of guys, like, who can shoot and score. So I, I'm going to take St. Bonaventure here. The line is a point and a half as we speak. So, wow. It, 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 wow. it might get, it might even get closer. Yeah. I'm taking St. Bonaventure. Cam Thomas, you know, Cam Thomas, one of the most talented, maybe the second most talented freshman in the country have, or, you know, in terms of having a great year behind Cade Cunningham, you know, putting up 24 points a game. You say, no, sir, no soup for you. No, huh? I, you just go right. I, I, this is right a kind of, the it's also, it's also a, a big contrast of style in that LSU likes to play super fast and St. Bonaventure plays really slow. Yeah. And they like guard. both on offense and on defense. And they guard. And I and it's easier, you know, an old like, you know, I feel like I'm Dan Dakich here. It's easier to slow the game down than to speed it up. I feel like they're really gonna make LSU play in that half court offense. And it's gonna be and LSU's gonna have a lot of trouble with that. Like they're not gonna get out in transition. I think uh, they're going to control the game. And so I just, I, I, I mean, it'll be close obviously, but I like, I like the Bonnies here. Let me tell you about a, a man named Luke, Jaron Holmes. Okay. Luke talk some talk. Uh, okay. No, 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 no. Um, I'm with Taylor on this one. I like the Bonnies here. They're going to guard oh. LSU. Oh, Luke. The LSU swan song was the SEC tournament. And I think they're going to take about 15 minutes to adjust to St. Bonaventure's bat out of hell style on defense and they're going to swarm them and they guard the perimeter. LSU are not going to get the looks they got in the SEC tournament. They're not going to even get the looks they got against Alabama. Alabama that game, let's face it, not at the top of their defensive game in the SEC tournament. If you watch the Tennessee game, it was a clear evidence of that. It carried over whatever is wrong with them on the defensive end of the floor. That carried over to the title game. So I think it's going to be a rude awakening for LSU and I, I agree with the, the pace and um, give me Mr. Holmes and give me the Bonds, the Bonnies, I should say, to move wow. on and to cover. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Right. This is unbelievable. I mean, Cam Thomas, Trendon Watford, Javante Smart. I mean, a three-headed monster, you know, a, a Greek, a Greek uh, god out there. I mean, but you know what, guys? You're absolutely right. I am so proud of you. The Bonnies are the clear pick here. You know what? They're absolutely gonna rock LSU. LSU's not gonna know what it's what not even gonna know where it's going. Bonnies are gonna be all over them. It's gonna be so uncomfortable. Will Wade, see you later. Wow. Bonnie's all the way. This is the one cons- the one consensus in the history of this podcast that there's no absolutely no doubt about it. It's it's cashed. I've already spent the winnings. I mean, it's were, over. Were you testing us like you know the old night at the end of uh, the Last Crusade? Were you, were you doing a test or something with us, trying to see if we chose wisely? You chose. You chose wisely. We stuck you to our guns. Wisely. You chose wisely. Yeah. Os- Osun is it Osun Osunii? I don't even know how to say his name, but. That dude on the inside for St. Bonaventures, I mean, he's just playing volleyball in there. He's just going to be <laughs> smacking Watford around. It's going to be amazing. I've actually been waiting for this game for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, this well, is going to be great. <laughs> yes. I mean, LSU is kind of like doesn't have like anybody to match up with that size on the inside. They they are kind of like across the board, a team full of like big wings. So, yeah. I would agree. Okay, next game. We yeah, finally made it. Great. We finally made it to the top, guys. And this is taking forever in the East. Michigan <laughs> versus somebody. Versus somebody. Let's just say somebody. Yeah. Michigan. Do we need to I'll know take the Michigan mount? and the points. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The mount's, nope, the mount's not going to be able to do it. 15, 20. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Michigan. Okay. Um, that's one regent. 
I've been saying quad too much, and I think that's confusing everybody because, you know, ever since the net came around, it sort of destroyed that term for the NCAA tournament. Let's go elsewhere. So um, we're on a journey, Taylor. You're generally the navigator of this journey or these journeys, much like uh, Taylor Pilkington's uh, knowledge quest life experience. So where shall we go from here? Which region? We're going to keep going clockwise. Now we're going to go back to the team that you, I mean, sorry, the region that you wanted to avoid. Now let's go to the West. This region is a wet pillow. Prove me wrong. What? What does that mean? That? I, I think it's I, in a wet napkin. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is a wet pillow? What does that even signify? Like you've been like crying on it, sniveling on it. I mean, what does that mean? What's interesting? What are you dying to see in this? Besides, obviously, my team, which I have to root for. And it is a little bit of a blessing in disguise that the worst region does have your favorite squad in, so you really have to pay attention to those, uh, I guess, those first couple games in your little um, foursome. But other than that, I've watched enough Iowa basketball this year. I know what I'm getting. I cannot get behind Oregon like everybody else out there. Kansas is just a blah three seed. USC, I don't need to watch another minute of them. Uh, so that's where I stand. I am interested in Creighton and um, Santa Barbara. We'll get to the Gauchos and the Blue Jays eventually, but um, should we start for the top this time? Gonzaga, they go through um, a million points. Did we take a million yeah, points? Yeah, Gonzaga, 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 Gonzaga. I mean, this this is the easiest draw for any one seed in a particular uh, region that I've ever seen in my life. Um, so one, you just carry that one all the way to the bottom. I mean, it's yeah, it's over. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, the eight nine game exactly. is a joke. That's I think the best part of their draw because there's some other eight nines out there that are pretty dangerous. I mean, you look at St. Bonaventures and LSU. I think either of those teams could beat Michigan. Secondly, I mean, you could go over to Loyola, Chicago, and Georgia Tech. I don't think Illinois was thrilled to see those names pop up. And North Carolina, I mean, who knows if they get $50 million offensive rebounds. But, Taylor, line on Oklahoma and Missouri and give us a pick. I'll just tell you, it's Oklahoma, and they are giving two points to this Missouri team who actually showed some fight against Arkansas. Yeah, give me Oklahoma um, all day long. I think Missouri is just, like, kind of one note. Um, they basically have – I mean – Tillman is like a beast inside, but I think Oklahoma just has like better weapons. I mean, they have a ton of guys who can shoot the ball, lots of ways to score. I like the way they pass when they're working. I I don't think the Missouri defense is going to be able to stop them. And Missouri is going to have like periods where, you know, you shut down Tillman and make it so like Drew Smith can't penetrate and they're not going to have, they're not going to be able to score the ball. I mean, they're not a not a great shooting team, um, and they're not super skilled. They're not going to like kill you. They they can't shoot the three ball at all. They basically depend on getting to the line, um, and Oklahoma doesn't really foul that much. So I, I, I mean, it, despite Oklahoma's inconsistencies, I'm going to take Oklahoma. Here. Before we get to Mike, I do have to chime in here because I just want to bring up a memory, and it's a fantastic one from the 2000. 2000- Let's see, 19 NCAA tournaments. The selections were made. We had a bracket, and he was shouting from the rooftops how much he loved Oklahoma against Ole Miss. It was the easiest slam dunk on the entire slate. He told us to run to the window, not walk to the window. And then we got finally to, um, you know, a cabin high up in the woods close to a window. And he said, I really need to think about this, guys. And he went into the bathroom for about, I don't know, 30 minutes. And he came out and said, we're taking Ole Miss. And immediately they went down by 20 points. And then we went back for more Ole Miss money. And they went down by 30 points. So let's see if Oklahoma can do it again. Mike, could he like? Oh, man. You know what? Thanks for taking me back to those wonderful memories, Luke. Uh as, um, you know, I've been better at moments, you know, I'm only, I'm only bad when I second guess myself. Um, you know, I guess Missouri, Missouri is an interesting team in that, you know, they play slow and they're kind of a grinded out, dirty, sloppy team with Tillman and Smith and, um, you know, their point guard Xavier, uh, I'm actually blanking on his last name, but anyways, uh, Pinson, Pinson, is that right? Um, anyways, uh, but the problem is, you know, when you have matchups like this, I think, you know, two teams are somewhat equally matched and they're both kind of in the same space in the same con- in, uh, in within their conference. You got to start to look at what conferences you've been watching. And I think the Big 12 
is a lot better than mm-hmm. the SEC. Yeah. All right. So I think you've been watching Oklahoma play. You've been watching Oklahoma play against other Big 12 teams, and you're like, ah, well, you know, they're kind of getting beat up. Well, yeah, they're playing like six of the top 10 teams in the country all the time. So you know what? I think Austin Reeves is going to absolutely eat up Pinson. Pinson is terrible on defense. I think Brady Manick, I mean, who's going to guard Manick? You know, I, I, Tillman isn't going to get all the way out there. And I like Harkless to be able to drive to the basket and, and slash in similar ways that Ole Miss did when they when they blew out Missouri recently. So, I don't know, give me Oklahoma here. I've liked Missouri all year, but um, in these type of matchups, I'll take the conference over the over the other teams. I like the fact that uh, Reeves can get his own I'm shot, all in Oklahoma. and I do appreciate that in March, especially in late game scenarios. I would also like to have the um, younger version of Brady Manick back on Oklahoma. Can somebody find him and bring him back? Wouldn't that be lovely? If we can well, get a younger you know, version. The word is right. The word is right that like he hasn't been the same since COVID. Long COVID. No, oh, come on. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, side note. Oh, that's an Long excuse. Long COVID is a great nickname for somebody. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm taking Oklahoma. You know, like Look at those points. <laughs> I don't love it, uh, and I'm not going to watch a second of this game, by the way. Uh, that takes us to um, our next. This is where it gets really interesting. The 4, 5, 12, 13 yeah. teams. Uh, Creighton and the Gauchos, also known as UC Santa Barbara. Shout out to uh, Gus Kearns of the uh, Screen the Screener podcast. Uh, those guys do great work over there, and uh, he was on my show. Back, I think, in late December or January, and he was talking about how how much he loved you, um, Cesar Barber, and he's like, watch out for that team, and they are rock solid. They ran the table pretty much in uh, the second half of the season. They claimed the conference tournament. Creighton is a team who I think is still combustible, so they're always dangerous, but this is the best bet for a 5-12 upset for me because you've got the reliable team who's the 12, and you've got the... Uh, team who doesn't really know how they want to play on a night-to-night basis in Creighton and I mean the uh Big East tournament was a microcosm I think of their season where you know they turn around to get smacked by Georgetown when they shouldn't have and then they would uh, respond by drilling Villanova so they were all over the place this year I don't like what's happening in the locker room I think Zigorowski that that interview from Zig was just very strange and weird. Like, uh, I love my coach so much, but we're all upset and we're still upset. Well, I mean, do you want to make a run? Like, like do you want to make a run? Get over it. Or just, uh, I don't like what's happening in that locker room. And it's a shame because I was uh, a Creighton supporter at the beginning of the year, but I love the Gauchos here. I will take any points that I can get. So the line right now, and I think is, right uh, now they're getting points. seven. It's too much. Mm. They're they're too solid. It's way too much. It's way too much. It's way too much. Um, I mean, Creighton and, can light it up, um, so I get it. But the, the Gauchos are Gauchos are for real, man. McLaughlin is a is a stud. He's a oh, he's really good. Stud. Um, but you know. Uh, I'll, I'll take the gauchos here, but I, I expect Creighton to move move through. I mean, I I think they win by you know two to five somewhere around there. Wow. I think people taking the gauchos straight up are are maybe uh, maybe in for a bad spot here. Yeah, I agree. I'll take them against the spread, but I don't know. It's okay. just too much to ask mm-hmm. them maybe to beat it. But yeah. All right, Virginia, Ohio. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Virginia, Ohio, man. I feel like I've this been... This is sad for me because... You just yeah, want to get ahead. on you them. Feel like you've been I what? feel like I've been trying to... I haven't started my defense yet, but that's really going to come on my show tomorrow. I'm going to start the defense because I've got just the Ohio horde of bees coming at me, and I need it like a double face shield pastor style just to fend them all off. They are coming in from all over the place, all <laughs> sectors of the country. They're congregating like birds flying south. I feel like I'm in Florida right now. They're cold. Well, Luke, you can start your defense now because I will, you know, let the uh, cat out of the back here. Mike and I already have Ohio money in play. Uh, <laughs> they're just, I mean, there's just too many things working in their favor from COVID to the fact that they historically are terrible in, in you know, these opening games to the fact that they've just been like kind of, Eh, kind of a, a wet pillow 
for the last like <laughs> month and a half or so, you know? Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I, I just, it was nine points. I think it opened at nine points. I think it's since gone down. People are going up to Ohio. So it's now like eight and a half, maybe even eight. But uh, yeah, I like Ohio to keep this game close. Ohio is not a bad team. Um, and Virginia just does not, has not been able to close people out. So start I your defense now. Please. I agree. It's too many points. And I really have a tremendous respect for Preston and the way he plays. And uh, listening to Tony Bennett the other day and just um, hearing his thoughts, he thinks he's very Ty Jerome-esque. That's the comp. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And he said I he might even call better, Ty up a... and ask him for tips. Like yeah. He even said that in, in the show the other day. He's like, um, you know... Uh, I'm gonna call Ty jokingly and say, "What would you not like going against?" And uh, we're gonna to try to deploy that at him. Here's the factor: we don't know who the positive is, and that is the biggest unknown in this entire equation. But if Huff is good to go and Hauser good to go, uh, Virginia's gonna win this game, I think, because those two guys. You might not have seen this, but those two have finish line syndrome right now, and it started against Louisville, where they're like, "Okay, I only have a couple more college games to play." It's time to take over. Hauser took over against Louisville. Huff took over in that first half against Syracuse. I don't know if you guys saw it. He was hit like about 13 and 7 in the first half. Then Bayheim completely morphed his zone, which he can, to stop Jay Huff in the second half. Virginia were getting nice looks from three. Murphy hit a couple late, which pushed him over the edge against Syracuse. But I don't think Ohio has anybody to deal with him in the interior. One of those two goes off, and that's enough to get Virginia the win, but not the cover. Hmm. Look, that's my ideal situation. I'd love to see a four-point Virginia win. Nothing would make me happier. Okay. Oh man, you sucker, you sucker! I want to see, I want to see UVA burn, burn it to the ground. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm. It's actually, it's actually, it's pretty sad for me because I actually really, really have enjoyed watching Ohio all year. Um, against Akron, you know, in late February, they were down. Jason Preston didn't play. Dwight Wilson didn't play. Akron was hot at the moment. Um. And it looked like it was like a random like game at like noon, right? And it just looked <laughs> like they were just gonna take an L to Akron. They had already lost. They had already lost to him earlier in the year, um, you know. And but that team showed some fight, man. You know, like Ohio really, really, um, I think as a team plays really well together. You know, I think that they're they're an older team that spent a lot of time on the floor together. Um, Preston is, uh, you know, he's, you said Ty Jerome. That's a really good comparison. Uh, Cade Cunningham is also another good, you know, kind of description. You know, he's patient. He's patient in the way that you can't really speed him up. You know, like he just – He's just a very slow and deliberate player. Um, and, you know, the other, the real X factor, though, is Vanderplas. He is like the Mac version of, uh, of Hauser for UVA. He's an excellent shooter. He finds his open spots. Um, you know, UVA is going to have its hands full. And I, I like Ohio as a, as a value pick to, uh, to make the Sweet 16 here. Um, I oh, think look at if you. If they beat Virginia – which I think they will. They they will definitely beat Creighton, and they will they would beat the Gauchos as well. So I, I like Ohio here to advance not only against UVA but uh, going forward. Wow! So shuck it and jive, and look that. at you <laughs> zigzagging all over the place, going back and forth on takes. So so uh, bad. Okay, that's enough on that game. Uh, let's move on to USC and Wichita State and Drake. Ugh. Can someone lead this conversation from? I don't want to lead this game. Whatever happens with Drake, who lost their luster when, like, January 15th, whatever the big snow happened that's in our area. That's when Drake died for me. And um, secondly, Wichita State, what an unimpressive showing in the tournament. Did, are you guys yeah. with me at that? I, I was not impressed whatsoever. Yeah, um, for someone that had, uh, you know, had money on Wichita against Cincinnati, that was indeed a devastating uh, game. Um, but um, Drake, you know, 
you know, they had those tough games against Loyola. Yosefu stepped up uh, while Hemphill was out with injury. Hemphill's back. Um, if Hemphill's back, I got to take him over Wichita State. Wichita State, frankly, shouldn't be in the tournament. It should be Ole Miss in this spot, if you ask me. I think the committee, uh, you know, really messed up. I don't even think Louisville should have been in it, but definitely not uh, Wichita State. So, yeah, give me give me Drake here. I, I don't like Wichita in this spot. Okay. Yeah, I think – I like Wichita in general. I like them, but I agree they kind of squeaked by South Florida. <laughs> and then, even even though I think Cincinnati is is better than maybe I, you know most people, it wasn't great. I want to take Drake even without Impel if he's out, um, which he I think it's still up in the air. But like I just think they've had to fight for every game because for, in a sense for them every single game is a must win for the tournament. You know, even since they were under 15 and 0 since the halfway through the season, um, you know, every game, every, whether they're playing Valparaiso or Loyola Chicago becomes a must win if they're going to make the tournament. Um, so I, I'm, I would take Drake here against the spread. It's a, they're getting two points against Wichita State. So I'll take that. I'll take a money line there. And then I'll even think I'll take them in the first round, whatever it is, I'll take them against the I'm not doing against that. US State. I can't do um, that. Evan Mobley has too much of the um, potential to to pop. Everybody likes to compare it to Kemba, but there's so many other scenarios that you can pull up as far as having the best player on the floor. So I'm going to go against that and just take USC, plain and simple. And they're defending better than people realize. If you watch them. Yeah, I, I would take USC. I would take USC against Drake. I mean, it's a bad matchup for Drake. Uh, USC is is them, but four to five inches taller and uh, maybe even better shooter. So yeah, I would I would pick USC to move forward there. They've been they've had their recent stumbles, but uh, mostly against teams like Oregon State, who's just been on fire. So yeah, I'll, I'll take USC. Okay, Rock Chalk going against Eastern Washington. I think Mike's gonna have a lot to say in this game. Eastern Washington, the 14th seed. And Kansas is the three seed. For some reason, I don't have lines handy. I'm just going to try to do it from memory. Kansas, 10.5-ish, 11. We'll say 10.5. Mike, go ahead and start this one off. Then Taylor, take over. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about it, honestly. I just I, Kansas, the big question for them will be how they come off the COVID pause. And plus, they are not going to be traveling with McCormick. Who, that's obviously a big loss for Kansas. Um, you know, obviously controls a lot of what they do inside. But Kansas has been uh, one of the hotter teams in the country. They've only team they've lost to is Texas. You know, since you know early February. Um, so, you know, I, I'll I'll take Kansas here, but their run will be short because they'll be without McCormick in the second game, and I could see USC uh, very easily getting past them. Uh, you know, after they move forward past East Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the McCormick thing is huge. I think you're even underplaying it. Like, the story of their improvement has been how they've – has been, one, McCormick playing a lot better, and two, like, the fact that they changed how they play defense. And I think our pal Jordan Sperber, who's done some awesome work, like, breaking down videotape, has talked about how they changed how they guarded um, pick and rolls with McCormick. And they already had some of the best, like, wing defenders yeah. out there. Um, but like how they, right. they changed how they like guarded the pick and roll with McCormick guarding like the screener and it completely like made a huge difference. I don't know about three quarters away through the season. So that's a big deal. Um, I'm going to pick Eastern Washington to cut. I mean, I think they're going to lose, but I'm going to cover, I'm going to pick them to cover that 11 point spread. Um, just keep things close and, and surprise some people. Um, a really fast offense and a, and a defense that can slow you down. I hope they can show something. So yeah, that's my just shot in the dark right there. I don't know if I'm going to feel like Northeastern <laughs> Kansas, uh, like we did a couple of years ago in this one, but I'm leaning, oh, I'm oh. leaning back in the direction, but I can't do it. I'm going to go with Kansas uh, just because of, I, I've been scarred. I, I feel like Kansas will, will throw it back in my face and win by about eight points. But um, yeah, I think they open up a little bit here. They have been playing really good basketball. And secondly, I know yeah. we're going to get to round two eventually, but did anybody forget about USC's last month? Am I the only one who paid attention to what USC did the last month? They had uh, two losses to Colorado. One of them was an absolute blowout loss, which is on the road, which can happen in the altitude. They lost to a bad Utah team, and they also lost to Arizona. So they lost to a Miller brother at home. All in, you know, second half of February. Did anybody else catch that except for me out there in the community? 
No, I was just gonna say, you know, I don't get the Pac-12 network. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I, I, they, they offered it to me, and I said, no, thank you. You give me a real network <laughs> like that trash at the ACC network. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, they lost to Colorado three times. You know, for you guys couldn't even like. There's no way you would ever pick Colorado in your lives. Yet, you know, USC's long and athletic and Evan Mobley is the second coming of, uh, you know, Kemba. You know, so. Well, I'm saying know. that they're going to get past Drake. I'm just saying they're going to beat Drake. They're not going to beat Kansas, I don't think. So that's my take. Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, we'll get there eventually. The trick is USC has Mobley, right? Who's like your future lottery pick. And they have one three-point shooter. And if you just like make the two of them catch it in bad spots, everybody else on their team is just going to like hoist up bad contested jumpers. And so they hit those stretches where like they go 0 for 6 from, you know, bad floaters. And then then they they don't score for like five minutes, 10 minutes, that sort of thing. Even for a team that's as like offensively efficient as they are, um, they have to rely on that defense. Fair enough. So it just. Even even with that like huge amount of talent, that's what happens. Well, yeah. let's get down to Oregon and VCU. Oregon's the seven, VCU's the ten. Mike doesn't know anything Interesting about game. Oregon because he doesn't get Pac-12 Network, and I'm a little bit with him on this one. I've just after the nine o'clock games, I just go to bed generally. So why don't we start with Taylor because this is his backyard team, the the VCU Rams, who are a shell of their former tournament selves, but still, I guess, um, a team to be reckoned with. Had a nice A-10 tournament, so yeah. Let's talk about it. Taylor. Yeah, I, I hate that these two teams are matched up against each other because it's two teams that I, I want to root for and bet on and take against anybody else all the way like deep into the tournament. So it's you know, it's it's another example of been, of choosing between your children. Um and I and I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. Um I always like Oregon. They're a little bit different this year. Like for people who haven't watched, like you guys, I guess in the Pac-12, their defense is not as like is not as uh, efficient as it has been in the past. But the offense is still like clicking. Um, they just have some really efficient guys, really steady guard play. That being said, the line right now is six points. I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here and take VCU to cover uh, the six points. Um, it's a little bit dodgy because Oregon, like I said, is steady and doesn't really turn the ball over much. And, and VCU, so much of it is dependent on, you know, getting out, creating those easy, that offense from defense. Um, but I am going to. Okay. Okay. No, we, we got you. you we know, got you. you. You love your Rams. You, you got me. Bones Highland. Bones Highland. You got it. Let's I'm going it. Oregon out of respect for Dana. <laughs> so out of respect for Dana, Ugh. give me the Ducks. Um, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I the six point spread. I think this is going to be the closest game Oregon plays until it plays Gonzaga. Um, I you know I think that they're they're destined for the Elite Eight. Uh, this Oregon Ducks team. Um, you know, I I'll, I'll say uh, it's going to be a tough one. You're not going to want to bet it. It's going to be Oregon on the line, and you know what? They don't shoot free throws very well. They're 200th in the country, so I'll say VCU gets the backdoor cover here. Um, they lose by five, but uh, watch out for this Ducks team, man. They are they are filthy. They are long. Okay, settle Chris down. Duarte uh, is going to Duarte is going to make a run for your uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, first weekend player you know of the year or whatever you know so watch yeah, out he's man. great i mean they're they're highly skilled um they're up and down the lineup it's just a team of six six wings it's gonna it's a good team um perfect for the ncaa tournament think of a think of a dayton archie miller team from uh maybe four or four or five years ago six years ago whatever that's that's what this oregon team is oh wow it's gonna be fun that. to watch look at you with that yeah. reference. Finally, yeah. Yeah, Iowa and Grand Canyon. At long last, we've reached this point of the podcast, our final game until part two, where we're going to take down uh, the other regions, which are the South and the Midwest. So stay tuned for that and make sure you subscribe, write a review, unsubscribe, subscribe again. You know what to do. Give us five stars because we deserve it, right, guys? Is that too much to ask? Okay. Uh, <laughs> on, oh, to, yeah. on to oh, Iowa yeah. Grand Canyon. We we don't deserve it. We in no means deserve it. But I'll take like three or four stars. I'm happy with that. Oh, you're, you're such a sellout. Okay. Where were we? Iowa and Grand Canyon. I'll take Canyon. any review. 
Does Iowa just score a million <laughs> points in this one? That, that's my question. I think they could. Oh, Wiest Camp needs to silly, ha- shoot more. That's what I'm saying. I've had enough of uh, Bo Hannon, Bo Cannant, uh, and who else just frustrates the heck out of me on Iowa? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think through their lineup. Garza doesn't because he's just... Does anybody have a hot take on Luki Garza? Because I don't. He's just who he is right now. But when you have Keegan Murray jacking him up, and especially Pat McCaffrey, he shouldn't be allowed to shoot behind the arc, especially when Wieskamp is on the floor. It just should be illegal. Absolutely illegal. So I think Iowa, I think Fran eventually is going to have the sit-down talk with his son, and they'll they'll kick into gear, and they'll, they'll score a million points, and they'll run away from Grand Canyon. I don't even know what the line is, so somebody give me a line. Uh, the line 14. is 14 and a half. Hmm. I'm having second Taylor, thoughts immediately. You, immediately like? having second thoughts. I mean, I haven't watched a single Grand Canyon game this year. Mike, I hope you have because I, I <gasps> it definitely. Really? We definitely. Yeah, we Dude. had like a little love affair with them a couple years ago. They fired uh, Dan uh, Marley now in a lawsuit against them. As, as far as I know, hasn't been resolved. And Bryce Drew is the coach now. So, you know, just bringing out the legends all day long in Grand Canyon. That's what right. you get when you're a for-profit right. school. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll just take Iowa to cover here. I'm not going to bet on this game, but yeah. No way. Oh, my gosh. You guys are making mistakes. I mean, Bryce Drew reliving his Valpo glory days. Grand Canyon with the upset of the tournament. They are going to beat Iowa. They Iowa is, spoiler alert, Iowa is trash. Okay? They've been trash for a while. Os- Midgard, Midgard for Grand Canyon, the seven-footer. He's got skills. You know, they have other, they have other players around him. You know, they can shoot the ball well. Uh, dude, I love Grand Canyon in this spot. Give me that Grand Canyon money line. I'm t- I'll tweet it out later. It's, is it not going to be that close? <laughs> that is quite a finish. I was not expecting that to wrap up part yeah, one baby. of the pod. We're coming back for part two, so don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. The ACC basketball degenerates are off and running. <laughs>